We're back with another PW Torch VIP podcast vault for Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. Today we jump back 18 years to an on-point interview conducted by James Caldwell of PW Torch with magnificent Don Morocco. In this interview, he talks about the WWE Hall of Fame and Paul Orndorff's recent comments about the WWE Hall of Fame. The value of the Intercontinental title, a belt that he held in WWE, or then the WWF. The muscular look that was prominent in the 80s, and whether that look had an adverse long-term effect on his health. The long-term planning that goes into WrestleMania, and having creative input into WrestleMania matches. Also, the tough road schedule in the 80s versus the 2000s. His first WWE European vacation. His memories of Hawaii Championship Wrestling his favorite matches, and more. This is the latest in our ongoing series of some of the earliest surviving insider pro wrestling podcasts you'll find anywhere, and we bring them to you exclusively here at PW Torch VIP. This is Torch columnist James Caldwell alongside Don Morocco. Uh, Don, I wanted to first talk about uh, your involvement in the Hawaii Championship Wrestling promotion. Uh, why don't you go and start off the night talking about your involvement in the promotion as, I believe, the director of operations. Well, I'm the, just the commissioner. My, my interest is just to kind of recycle and let the, some of the young kids get back into guys who want to, you know, get, get into professional wrestling, just kind of help to, to buy, uh, provide a venue and try not to stay involved too much, you know, any programming or anything like that. And what are you doing to, uh, are you passing along some of your knowledge from your years in wrestling? Is that... One of the one of the purposes of the promotion? Uh, not really, no. I just, uh, I, um, I'm basically there. You know, I just, I'm just, you know, like to see the, you know, some of the kids get ahead. You know, have an opportunity and provide, uh, you know, a type of legitimacy to the, to the, um, to the production, to the product. And then, uh, you know, I wish I could say it's for financial reasons, but, uh, <laughs> need to be a non-profit organization at the moment. <laughs> right. But, so, you know, uh, and I don't know. You know, my, 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 you know, my focus is just, uh, trying to give a venue to, you know, some younger guys, uh, a place to work, you know, some place to do a job, get in front of a crowd, any kind of crowd, or just, you know, and perform and try and maybe move on to the next level. And you're also on the air as well as the on-air, uh, you know, the on-air commissioner. How does it feel for you to be out there in the public? That's, you know, it's fun. You know, I, I enjoy uh, getting out there. I've always been, you know, into the wise cats and the uh, humor. And uh, have a good time. Uh, I do with uh, Raleigh Dude and uh, Rick and a couple guys that do. I do the um, color back and forth with me. I, I do basically do the color. They do the play-by-play. So, you know, it's a trip. Yeah. Um, I want to transition talking about WWE. You're obviously a Hall of Fame member, inducted in 2004. Uh, what were your feelings about being inducted to the uh, Hall of Fame at WrestleMania 20? Well, I guess, you know, like anybody would be. You know, it's, you know, it's honored to be uh, just recognized by your peers a little bit for, you know, Contributing, um, you know, a uh, good heart, you know, doing, doing hard work and being appreciated for your work. I, I, I don't think it uh, means I was any better than anybody else. But uh, if they recognized that uh, maybe I did a, you know, did a good job and I, I was pretty good at my job and worked hard, I thought I, thought I always worked hard. 
that's an that's insight for that. If any did anything like that, I think it's an honor. Right. I would, I would, I would, I would sure. No, I was very honored, very pleased to be part of it. Yeah, you were also inducted with, you know, names like Bobby Heenan and Greg Valentine, Harley Race. What was it like standing next to some of those legends as well as yourself uh, at WrestleMania 20? Oh, uh, they were, you know, they were great competitors. I I enjoyed working with them. I, I enjoyed uh, traveling with them. I, you know, I felt that, uh, you know, like I said, you'd be being recognized by not only the fans of promotion, but by your peers also. also. And Slaughter and Harley and Greg Valentine, Tito, of course Bobby Heenan. Um, you know, all like, who else was in there? Pete Rose. Oh, yeah, Pete Rose, how about that one? Yeah, but, uh, you know, all those guys I, I was, I was close with at one time or another in the business, and, uh, you know, we traveled down a lot of roads together. So, you know, there's always nice to see your, you know, your peers. It's great, you know, uh, the whole thing was, you know, a real great experience. I, you can't, I don't, I don't know, if you try to sell it short, and, those guys, maybe they just got a, you know, a bad feeling about something or anything, but, you know, to be removed and, and to get the, you know, to take trips on memory of the lane like that, you know, that's cool. Yeah, Paul Orndorff, who was one of the guys who was inducted last year, uh, he was inducted alongside Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, and then recently he said he felt like it was a sham and he didn't like the Hall of Fame experience. Uh, from your experiences with Paul Orndorff, what do you think about his comments? <coughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's his opinion, I guess, and uh, maybe the experience he drew out of uh, the time he was there. Uh, I don't know uh, if he may have a difference or have a, you know, uh, you know, his own personal reason for feeling that way. I haven't spoken to Paul in quite some time, so I, uh, politically correct, I don't know what the hell. You know, it's, you know, it is thing. I had a good time. I had a hell of a time. <laughs> he didn't have a good time, I'm sorry. In, uh, in August 1988, I believe it was the last time you were with the company, with WWE, before the Hall of Fame. Uh, what was it like going back to WWE almost, you know, a decade and a half after your last uh, run with the company? Same class act. You know, it was a, it was a class act while I was there. And um, they were just beginning, I guess. They didn't, you know, they hadn't been uh, as... You know, as, dealing, as used to dealing with those matters as, as they had before, but when I got there, everything was, uh, you know, just um, really formatted, organized uh, really well. All the people in the office and everything, you know, the place to be, things to do, you know, everything kind of just fell in line. Everything was, everything was really, really organized. Yeah, back in, uh, in 1988, when you left the company, what what went into uh, your departure? And, uh, you know, were you ever invited to come back to the company to wrestle? Um, I had, I did business with Vince. He helped me in New Zealand with uh, talent and stuff like that. I, uh, I don't think by that time I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really interested in coming back. I was just kind of, you know, working on the side. I wasn't, you know, I didn't think I had it anymore. What I wanted to, you know, what I was giving by that time, I was, you know, about 38, 39 years old at the time, so. I, uh, maybe I'd lost a step, you know, so I, I never, uh, they never asked. 
me, like, you know, I never approached him about it. It's kind of uh, understood, I suppose. Did you ever, did you feel like you could contribute to WWE on camera in a different way, other than just wrestling? Sure, you know, but um, my uh, my focus was moving back, moving back in Hawaii. Yeah, moving back here. You know, I was. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. You know, if I had a, I'm, I would. Uh, if I had pursued some opportunities or some some uh, some. Some things with uh, WWE or Vince McMahon or somebody, and I'm sure I could. I probably would have uh, got a job, you know. Uh, no doubt they would have taken. It was very good to me now. It, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a video, and I got a, I got a new doll, you know, and I get, um, you know, I get, you know, these checks and stuff every once in a while, you know, for me. But you know, it's just a sign of maybe respect or you know, the time. It, it comes over. Yeah, I, my, I was never, you know, I never looked at, I, I kind of, you know, would have maybe, it would have been nice looking back at it, being a, you know, uh, announcer or something, getting into the announcing. I, I probably, you know, I think I would have had some talent there, but uh, I, I was more interested in coming back. We'll be getting uh, things started back on in Hawaii. I did never reach, you know, that point. A lot of these things, Never came about, you know, any questions you're trying to bring up. Uh, if I have, you know, any, any problems with WWE or anything, no, I'll never. You know, just, it's just my life turned different directions, you know, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't looking for wrestling, you know, to bail me out, make me living anymore. Right. And we're living back there on the East Coast was, was, you know, I, I had it, I'd been back there for a while. I was ready to move back home and start building and stuff. So was that the travel schedule that WWE had you guys on? I mean, constantly on the road four or five times a week. How much of a grind and how much of an effect did it have on you physically and emotionally? It was insane. You know, you said the thing about Jake Roberts, you know, and, you know, a lot of guys, all kinds of guys have gone through, you know, different trips and sleeping there. Um... I, you know, it comes with the territory, you know, and I see other guys in other jobs going through the same thing. So, you know, it, it kind of just comes with the territory. Some guys, you know, get through it, and then some guys, you know, don't find, you know, different ways, and, and then they may use it as a, and blame it as, you know, oh, damn, I was successful, you know, you know, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's a, that's your reason for you know going off, going off, to, going off the thing because you had a hard. Guys work, you know. I work a job now. I work seven days a week, with ten hour shifts. You know, don't have that much time home. So even if you want to support your family and you know create a nest egg and stuff, stuff happens. How do you think today's wrestling schedule of working mainly weekends? A lot of WWE wrestlers just work the weekend house shows. How do you think the uh, current schedule today compares to when you were in the, in the WWE in the 80s? Oh, it sounds good to me. I don't. I have no idea what the what the current schedule is like. So, you know, I, I couldn't comment. But what you're what you're telling me, what it sounds like, you know, working weekends and just some big show, you know, three, four big shows a week. Wow. <laughs> I, you know, that would have been great. We had a lot of small town. You know, it was. 
it was different. It was, it was a transitional period. So, uh, even, told, even, told, even told me, you know, I said, oh, God, I really ran you guys hard in those days. But, you know, he was running just as hard. Everybody, everybody was pushing. Everybody was getting paid for it, so. How much international travel do you remember doing in the 80s? Compared to now, they, they're doing more international traveling than ever before. And like one of the first or second or third uh, European tour with uh, the Bulldogs and call it the National, National Lampoon Vacation. <laughs> European Vacation. Yeah. National Lampoon. That's what, uh, uh, that was in 87. Harley Race, the Bulldogs, Pat Cross was on the car. The Bees. The Rougeos were probably involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about Hulk Hogan? Did he make those international trips? Uh, he wasn't making it yet. Andre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Andre was, uh, Andre was on top of those shows. Yeah, and he was a big international draw. I didn't go that much, you know. I, I Japan, Japan a lot, you know. Not a lot compared to Dick Murdoch and those guys, but I used to make one in Japan. Then a few places overseas, too. I wanted to switch gears and talk about uh, WrestleMania, as that's coming up in uh, about, you know, four or five weeks. How much long-term planning went into WrestleMania each year when you were involved? Well, they just started it. They just come back. Um, Vince, well, from what Vince took over the company, you know, with the USA Network and all that. You forget, you know, before that, he was the guy, he was in there on Evil Knievel, uh, Jump the Grand Canyon scam. He was selling pay-per-view for that. Yeah. That was, I think, one of his first, uh, one of his first, <laughs> one of his first, Adventures. So, you know, it was always ventures. It was kind of, I don't know how much planning it got into it. It was kind of as it went, because, you know, I wanted to. I wasn't in number one, because I was with Hulk coming out of it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, hard on that. It was just, uh, it just wasn't. It was just different than two, three, and four, I guess. Something like that. And how far in advance did you know who you were going to be facing at, at WrestleMania, or did it just kind of come together? Uh, you know, you know, um, I, I was never really, you know, a focal part of it. I never really had any big uh, matches going in, in WrestleMania, so I, you know, I, a few months, a couple months, I guess, it was on the, you uh, know, I was in the, uh, you know, the building. Oh, we were building for, you know, they built long, yeah, probably maybe six months of that in those times, but I don't know how long the office, you know, the behind the scenes, they were working, creating, you know, little WrestleMania stuff, but, uh, you know, there was really nothing else for us to do, just for the math, you know, do a big match, of course. Right, and someone like Hulk Hogan, how much, uh, how much input did he have on, uh, who he was going to be facing WrestleMania, or his WrestleMania matches or compared to some of the other wrestlers on the roster? So I'm sure you had a lot. I have no, you know, first-hand knowledge I have none. <laughs> I would be a, only be a conjecture, but, uh, you know, I'd be a guess, but 
I'm sure he was, uh, you know, he, had, he was a picky guy. I, he actually wanted to picture. And how about yourself? How much input did you have? Oh, uh, by that time, not much. I was, uh, we had kind of changed. George Scott came through and makeup kind of changed. So I was, I was just on the card. I was, I was, you know, I was good. It was like, that was like, well, I was still involved, but I had a different level. It was that baby face thing, and it was kind of, it was, it was kind of, it was different. And you're also a, a two-time Intercontinental Champion, and what, how much value do you feel was on the belt when you at the time when you won it, compared to maybe now where there isn't so much value placed on the Intercontinental title? Um, different guys get hot at different times, you know, and uh, it was, uh, I don't know, for some reason, I, I, there was, I was just lucky that uh, people on the coast had something to do with beach balls. Do you think there's a, was there just more emphasis placed on the Intercontinental title as uh, not so much a stepping stone to the world title, but also a, a very strong belt that had a lot of value at the time? Yeah, well, it was, you know, it was kind of new, and uh, you had a good, strong heel, big guy at the time, I think, had it, Patterson had it, I had it for a long time, and it's a good, it's a good heel belt, you know, and get the baby chases over all the time, but you can keep this, keep this job, you know. So it's a good, it's a good in between. Yeah, it's a good deal. And if you got a guy that's over, you know, a couple of guys that are over, you know, working with it, then, you know, then it's really good. It just depends on it's a matter of timing. It's timing. Like, like real estate location, you know, it's just timing. If it hits right, you know, it's sort of like the rock had the intercontinental, intercontinental probably would have been the hot belt when the rock was hot, you know. And then the, and the, the title belts go along for the ride. That's just how it goes sometimes, you know. It depends who's, who's carrying the load of the you carry. So when you look at someone like Ric Flair, who recently held the intercontinental title uh, for about four months uh, as the babyface, do you think that was a, I mean, was it a good move to keep, if just looking at it from a, from the outside perspective, is it a good move to have a Ric Flair like that as a babyface for an extended period of time? Yeah, I got a, I got a, somebody could put a bumper stick in the back of my truck because old, old guys rule. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I want to get a bumper stick underneath and just post you because uh, it just, uh, I, you know, the younger athletes and the younger the guys are, the more, you know, the the more logical, you know, I reached like 57. Well, I don't know. That's a, that's a company decision. But then again, it's, you know, we're wrestling entertainment. Do you think, looking at Ric Flair at the age of 57, do you think he should be treated uh, as more of a, a special attraction type wrestler, or is he fine wrestling every week on television? You know, he does a heck of a job. Like, you, you can't tell him short on that. You know, he works. He works hard every night, or every time, you know, he's in the ring. Yeah. He amazes me. I certainly couldn't take that kind of beating. Uh, and uh, I want to talk about one of the things that really helped you get over at the time was your look. And you had the big muscular look at the time when other guys had that look too, like Hercules. And, you know, how big of an impact did that look that you had uh, transition into being a very successful wrestler in WWE? 
But it didn't hurt, you know. But that was kind of what was happening at the time. Everybody was into, you know, into, into the training, into the dieting and everything else, getting bigger and being cut. So, you know, before, before that, I hadn't, uh, when I first came in, I wasn't that, wasn't that big. When I was working with Morales and Backlund and all those other guys, it wasn't until later that I put on swag sheet. That was my shoulder, you know, and the shoulders and stuff. A different bunch. I bumped up, changed my the, the later part. But earlier, I, I was, uh, well, I want more wrestling style, more job. But then I, I, I was trying to look, put on weight. I get before the moment I went into the WWF, I wanted to get uh, get get more size because I always felt that size size mattered there yeah, as before. You know, where, you know, wrestling wrestling and stuff was was more maybe more uh, more more responsible for stuff. So did you feel like you had to put on a lot of size in order to keep a, a prominent position on the card? Mm, not, 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 not to keep a prominent position in the side, just to, just to keep keep up with the times. You know, my own uh, my own motivation. Other guys, you know, other other guys are, are getting close, so you want to get you know want to get cheap yourself. And do you think it? You know, in the long term, do you think by WWE pushing for the bigger bodies and the muscular look, do you think that had a, a negative effect on wrestling in the years afterwards? No, no, not at all. Actually, I think they, um, those, those guys represent more than the, more than the professional bodybuilder stuff nowadays. This is the, the wrestlers, uh, the TNA guys, the WWE guys. You know, most of the guys that are, that are making money and professional, I think their bodies now are like what guys are looking at, as opposed to the Ronnie Coleman's and the Cutler's. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not real familiar with, with all the, the new bodybuilders, but they're, they're so massive and so unrealistic and so crazy that I think that the people identify more with the muscular wrestlers and the, the, the wrestlers, because the, you know, the wrestlers are important. Someone like Chris Masters, uh, have, how much of him have you seen, and does he remind you of uh, some of the other larger wrestlers of the 1980s? Yeah, yeah I see him a little bit. He looks good. Looks like he's having a hard time keeping pumped on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, a, uh, it's a different story when you're, you know, and I, so I, I imagine that he's working pretty good, so. But, you know, some of those guys look great, too, right? specifically for that, that bodybuilder look, or is it just, if you can make me money, then I'll put you in a prominent position on the card? you got to be the total package. You know, you got to have it all together. You, you need the body, you got to talk, and you got to be able to work. And then, plus, you know, if you're lucky, you have charisma, too, and then you can make money. But, uh, you know, without that, there's a lot of guys with great bodies. I don't think, you know, 
Maybe you have to work because of the body. You need, you need it all. You got to put the whole thing. Those guys, they got the, you know the full package: the body, the work, you know the the, the promo, the the, the rap, uh, the gap, whatever it is, you know. And you know they got a gimmick, and they know their direction. So, and, you know, you got to have a body. Now, when I look watching the TV, they all those guys all got the bodies. Even the TNA guys, they're a little smaller, but they're all ripped. You know, they're all shredded. When you look at someone like Samoa Joe in TNA, I don't know how much you've seen of him, but he has a completely different look than the muscular look. And do you think that's what's propelled him to be a, a standout wrestler? Is that he's different and he's unique? Yeah, he's, he's got the stuff looks his, you know, he's got a lot of good stuff. Smooth. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 a, it's a different market today. It's a different, uh, different calling today. So, I, you know, it's, um, if I was programming him, you know, find some, somebody to work with that then, you know, would work that could do some business. I'm sure he could do business. He gets over, you know, his look is, the stuff he does it is really not, you know, better than that. Yeah, he does really, you know, he does really good stuff. So, and that's what everybody's looking for, you know. So would you place more of an emphasis on being able to work, uh, the body, or charisma? Uh, charisma's just, you know, you either got it or not, you know. Yeah. You, you, you got, you know, it's just, uh, and you can look at, uh, I just make Triple H take a guy like that and just worked his ass off, you know, worked and worked and worked and looked like he, you know, Get a lot of the right spots. Guys got hurt. He came in and, you know, he was, he was able to kick up, you know, and just carry the ball. And he, we worked himself into a position. I don't know if he had that, that great amount of charisma before. You know, he came when he was first, uh, doing the gimmick, you know, when he first started. The blue blood. Yeah, like, like he worked into, you know, but as a guy who worked hard, you know, I, when I first met him, I said, well, you know, I, I that's why I, mean, I said, well, you work hard, brother, you know, keep it up, you're doing a good job, you know, you're just, the Hall of Fame, like the first one, or second one, when, back in some, I don't know, I, you know, he was, well, you know, he worked real hard, and, uh, there's a guy, he worked, he worked his body, got the body, the grill, you know, and then charisma came with it, I don't think, you know, some guys just got it, you know, you, you, that's what you can't, you know, you can't buy it, put a finger on it, you know, Take a drunk for it. Either got it or not. I want to wrap up just with uh, your favorite moment in wrestling. You've had a lot of moments, the, the Jimmy Snooker match in the Garden in the early 80s. Uh, just what is your favorite moment from your career in wrestling? Snooker got to be up there. I even called. You know, I, was, I was really fortunate to be involved with a lot of good guys in a lot of good places. So, you know, it's... It, um, uh, you know, it's been, it'd be hard to, you know, put your finger on it, especially, you know, driving right here, Pedro Morales, the first time in the garden, you know, stuff like that. You know, there's, there's all, I think you have a, a number of, uh, revelations that you go through, you know, everyone, you know, I, I, some matches, I have moments of Ivan Koloff and when other people, Minneapolis, Ray Stevens, you know, a lot of guys that, that aren't even around anymore. Yeah. All the learning experiences, so, um, 
you know, obviously, Snooker's the one that, that, that the more of a Snooker has uh, been really the focal part of my career in advertising. But, uh, yeah, that would obviously be hard. Very good. Well, I definitely appreciate your time tonight, Don. All right, no problem.